dog's going to sneeze in a sec. Maybe. Must you? <laughs> we just started filming. You had all that time to sneeze before. Good dog. Thank you very much. Um, so we've recently come off the back of, obviously you guys will have hopefully listened to the um, Muscle Doc episode with John Cello and B-Pack with Big Ben Pekowski. Um So we had the pleasure of doing the full three-day camps yeah. here in Melbourne. Um, so maybe a little bit of a recap what we got out of it, what we learned. Um, mm. So the Friday, obviously, thank God it was in that. Yeah. that so I've been walking through there. Hell's Gate to get Dude. to that conference center it was like 40 it was a 43 degrees 43 and blowing at it was 35 it was 35 degrees at 9 a.m yeah. i think like when i when you called me i couldn't hear you because it was that windy yeah yeah it was, it was disgusting crazy. so we were going to be in a shed at doldy's and uh yeah which was hot enough at like even 30 the next following days yeah. so, so thankfully they legit would have died put us in there and there's there's some big names in the room and stuff too yeah it's great luke lehman was in there mm. um scott goble was in there mm. Um, yeah. Addy Boyle, yeah. there's a couple of other insta famous humans. Yeah. Um, Jason Smirking, a few of his favorite Instagram influencers were uh, in attendance. Um, but no, the content was great. Yeah, fantastic. Um, I think, as you guys heard, like Jason and I um, cut our teeth on the BPAC programs like early days. Mm. Um, so to, to hear him explain them and refresh us and even he's changed a few things that we yeah. learned which was really cool um, and Jordan talks just as fast in real life yeah. as he does <laughs> on his podcast yeah. and our podcast so intelligent um, yeah hectic ridiculous brain. hectic brain he, he just put so many words together without breathing yeah and he just uh, forgets that other people's brains don't go work yeah. like that but, but once um, you get him going it's like he goes into a like it's like he goes into a black zone and then he's like what what were we just talking yeah. about like it's like is his that brain, okay it's like it just like reaches depths of his brain where it's just like information's there and he's just like re- just expels it all out to everyone and then he's like what are we talking about again yeah it's like two different jordan come yeah. out yeah, yeah. um it's it, it really cool awesome the, and the yeah. best thing for me i think was like now that i train more people primarily for strength with still body composition goals mm. um myself training for strength um, less care about aesthetics, um, as you can probably tell at the moment. Fluffy. Um, but being able to know, having Jordan there to sort of go like, okay, so Ben said this, when do you apply that as yeah. a strength athlete? Yeah. Um, was really valuable, so that was cool. Yeah. Um, what were your like main takeaways? Uh, a lot, a lot of the, a lot of the stuff was revision, but it was more like you know, it's not stuff that you necessarily like you know, but you might not be implementing right now. So I was yeah. like, oh, you know, I, I remember that, and it's like kind of coming, bringing it back in. Yeah, I think um, steering too much towards like you know that muscle action, well, sorry, joint muscle action and function. Yeah. Um, it was like, you know, um, always having to complete the movement and lock out and understand that the hips do this or the shoulder does this. And, you know, when you apply it to a uh, hypertrophy perspective, um, you know, as a program for an athlete who, you know, wants, you know, as much lean body mass as possible, yeah. you don't always necessarily need to implement that function of yeah, the, you yeah. know, so you know, just you're trying to keep tension and, you know, maybe, you know, not locking out in the hips when you're doing um, like a straight leg deadlift or an RDL or something like that. Um, you know, obviously it's going to drive more stress in the muscle and, you know, that's going to carry over and having more tension over time. And if you overload that, then, you know, that muscle is going to be bigger. Yep. And then there's times to then integrate the strength component in and that's yeah. when looking at that, those actions and, you know, the full movement and, and all those kind of things. So it's just, feel like I was, yeah, maybe just doing too much of one thing and not enough of the other and then not enough of one and yeah. you know, kinda it's really good to kind of have them in like some harmonious kind of situation where they have their peace, they have their place and yeah. just knowing when to turn the dials, I guess, is probably the pendulum, best way to put it. Pendulum just kinda of swung too far to one side and now it's about yeah getting it in the middle to be both functional and jacked, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. And just knowing like instead of always having the trying to do it all at once is un, like even appreciating that you can have distinct phases where you just do this, yeah. just do that, or you're integrating to that and integrating to here and then starting again. So yeah. 
uh, definitely sparked a lot of ideas, a lot of thought process that I've you know had in the past, and just reignited them again. Um, you know, and then just like going back over the just like fundamental biomechanics as well. I didn't enjoy biomechanics when I was at uni. I'll admit it. Um, it was a very overwhelming um, subject uh, semester, especially all. Two, I think it was. I think we did it for three semesters. Yeah. Um, so it was a very overwhelming topic, and just to be you know fresh eighteen and not appreciating education too much. Um, yeah. You know, being in a lecture theatre of like you know one hundred fifty people probably wasn't the best environment to you know like start going over things like yeah. mass force acceleration, yeah. moment arms and. Um, you know, like the length tension relationships of stuff and all that. So, um, it was really good to revisit that as well and just applying it in the gym too. So just to see, you know, on the practice about like, oh, well here and here is in line with the, the, the resistance, the line of forces here. This is where the work of the muscle is going to be. You're, yeah. You know, you can alter your body position or what you're lying on. Yeah. You know, so you can have an external, um, change in position or an internal change in actually the physical shape of your body. Um, and that'll influence kind of where the work gets done. So yeah. like that really changed a lot of things kind of went into last week with uh, my sessions and you know, it was just a whole new attention to detail. For me, it was a win again, like no matter what, cause yeah. it was just, you know, um, standard of PTs going up, standard of services going up. Yeah. You know, I'm paying more attention, even yeah. more attention. So I know that my clients will benefit from it. So if I get anything out of it, just, it, it is that my clients well, some of my clients may disagree that they'll benefit from it as a, I'm not going to say they like a it. few choice words yeah. being spat at me yeah, last yeah. week um, yeah. it's interesting like you talk about the biomechanics stuff I feel like that's been a strength of mine since I kind of was exposed to it first just from having that like physics science background yeah um, so I always through engineering it was like okay what's the load of this and fulcrums yeah. here and measure um, yeah. moment arms and talk and all that kind of stuff yeah, so yeah, I, yeah. I had a really good grounding in understanding the principles behind that um, where I kind of and it continues to progress and it kind of got a big jump over the weekend was the more of the deeper anatomy stuff so it's like okay so where does that muscle actually connect to it, yeah. like insertion and origin and how yeah, bring them bringing them together is once I know what I need to bring together, I can do that and how I can keep force on that point because the force distribution stuff I get. Yep. But it's like, okay, what does what's the job of that muscle? What's the job of that yep. joint? Um, and then and from a programming standpoint, being able to put in, okay, let's look at, am I trying to train like function or action in yeah. this, this moment and being really specific of every exercise, which I already am, but it's adding another dynamic of what's the purpose of this exercise in this yep. program. It's not just um, maybe to challenge thoracic extension or build up a back or isolate a bicep. It's like, okay, so what about what the shoulder's doing and the elbow's doing and yep. um, how are you standing to engage your oblique sling and mm. all that kind of stuff that you work all the way down. Yeah, yeah. I think um, you know, we've, we've gone into the weeds a little bit talking in previous podcasts about you know these potential starting points for volume and yeah. um, talking about you know how to program design in terms of frequency and what you know if, if a more dense approach to training would be more beneficial for this and mm-hmm. you know a higher frequency for that and how many sets and reps would best benefit that and I think that um, where the weekend kind of you know I guess like sat into that perfectly was you know Program design is not just allocating sets and reps and load. It is really important, but it's only important once we kind of understand, you know, what these exercises are selected for, um, what they're doing in the program itself and how you select the other programs around it. You know, like uh, when we're talking from a a strength component, it was like, you know, you have um, your primary yeah um accessory and then supplemental yeah. like there's that terminology supplemental like really sat well with me yeah um and then from a hypertrophy perspective it's like okay so let's understand length ten- tension relationship or full range of the muscle yeah um how can we get into positions to you know work that top range work that mid range and work that short range of the muscle and that's kind of where the selection lies and yeah you start to manipulate tension from either a cable or a band or a dumbbell or a barbell or you know, that's kind of where the variation lies and that yeah. can sit differently for everyone. I think too, one of the big lessons was 
like again we've been into the programming weeds quite deeply but volume's not you can't track volume if every set is different or every rep is yeah. different like without execution and consistency in how you execute a movement like it doesn't really matter anyway yeah um so like i go in and check um at the moment i'll check my clients um performance each week in terms of progressive overload did you lift more weight than last week yeah um but there's got to be a trust factor there that like just because you went up two kilos in your bicep curl yeah did it go to shit or were you still actually loading the bicep yeah um so just a reminder of that i'm actually yeah looking to um like with our stcfit.com programs i think that's that's one of the strong benefits we have there is like an actual here's how to do the movement for the whole program in their videos yeah yeah um whereas like for the custom coaching stuff it's like i'm gonna start working on all right here's how to train the bicep so they yeah get a bit of education and stuff so yeah um yeah definitely just again with every seminar you go to you always come out that little bit better yeah as a trainer and then over time the more you accumulate that knowledge the better you get mm. um, which is cool i was actually surprised like how much um how much of the isolation approach that jordan actually did use as a strength athlete yeah um i know he's there are some other people in the powerlifting circles that have different views so sebastian Oro comes to mind in terms of he's quite uh physics based so it's like how do i make this movement easier or like less distance yeah. or um what's the best advantage from a leverage point yeah point yeah so like his bench presses um uses a lot of technique demand yeah um, and he's genetically set up very very well for it yeah whereas um say jordan's approach is much more just get really big mm. and be really strong and you'll move the weight yeah um, so his approach to it is that the, the glass ceiling is higher um, in terms of you're able to continue to build muscle. Yeah. Once you kind of max out the leverages and stuff, you're kind of stuck. Yeah. So it was interesting to see one of them that actually surprised me as an example was uh, when we we're talking about an incline dumbbell press, for example. So from a power like powerlifting standpoint, I would probably consider that maybe to be a um, accessory movement. Yeah, he put it down into the um, what was the last one? Supplemental. <laughs> Stop looking at my feet, dog. Better <laughs> bed. On your mat. Go on. Go on. On your mat. <laughs> wants to be star of the show. Everyone, this is Shadow. My dog's Indy. She's Indy's uh, dog. Second lick of the feet. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna be. I'm gonna make some money off that. I'm, I'm you. Yeah. Um, where was I? So yeah, the incline, yeah. incline, the incline press, press as a supplemental exercise. Yes, yeah, so he drops it down into the supplemental category rather than yeah. accessory which yeah cool um but in in doing so that means that you approach it as a hypertrophy isolation exercise Mm. so keeping the muscle under tension throughout the entire set um working on lengthen the muscle shorten the muscle keep it under tension um even like angles that you're using maybe on the bench or elbow travel or um positioning of the dumbbell at the bottom of the top of the rep just everything is focused on building muscle rather than moving weight um yeah. which i think are too uh undervalued in terms of being how different they are yeah I understand. Um, people don't realize the difference between the two so yeah um over, over the last two years since i've been focused on strength i would have like came into a point where i was stacked so like weights on the wrist wrists on the elbow elbow on the shoulder yeah. shoulders on the bench because that allows me to lift an extra two yeah. and a half to five kilos in each hand yeah. with the theory that move more weight gets stronger yeah. um, but his approach is like when you're down in that supplementary just build muscle build muscle build muscle yeah. and then use that muscle in the, the actual exercise yeah yeah. I think it just comes from the explanations on the weekend was like that supplemental exercise is very strategic in terms of like it's uh, it's you've got your compound and then your accessory and that supplemental helps improve a facet of both of them yeah 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 whether it's like upper back for front squats something like that or you know isolated glute work for yeah um your squat yeah when you're split squat or something like that yeah um so yeah it was a really good way of just kind of when he said it i was just like ah oh. yeah like yeah. yeah yeah it was just like oh so that's how you do it and then you probably carry so 
on the flip side of that, going to the physique part, I think that the one thing that I kind of carried out of it the most is like just that there needs to be strength phases for physique athletes, but there's don't there doesn't necessarily need to be a strength element all the time. Yeah, because they're not having to squat, bench, and deadlift. Yeah, I like, think I would still. I would still want to have some kind of progressive overload measure in the program. Yeah, yeah. But that could be, like you said, a split squat or something like that, where it's like, I still want to see um, increase in weight shifted over a program. Yeah, yeah. So more where I was going with that is like, they don't need to just do a heavy squat every program. No, that's right. Yeah. Like they don't need to do the big three ever, really, if they need to. Yeah. Um, and there, there's other ways to, you know, kind of quantify yeah. that stimulus and like getting stronger is moving A to B. And if it's ref- like, if you're, if you're a physique athlete and you want bigger muscles, you've got to think about like those specific exercises that they do to, you know, get full range of motion and regional isolated hypertrophy and stuff. And then even try and make those progr- like as put those in a strength environment. Yeah. You, know, you don't need yeah, to necessarily yeah, yeah. like, you know, just back squat yeah. to get stronger to then carry that over into training. So yeah. it was just like shifting that, that focus there as well, like having distinct understanding of like, okay, so you are like at the end of the day, if your client does not really care about how much they squat, bench and deadlift, yeah. then it's not a requirement. You don't necessarily yeah. need to use them. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was kind of like good for me to just, yeah, it's, it's interesting as a culture within the fitness industry, you kind of in either camp, but as we know with both things, and we talked about food on the last pro last episode, like typically you're going to be somewhere in the middle with most stuff. Mm. So there's the Damon Hayhouse of the world that are like lift more every week. Mm. If you do that, you'll get bigger. Yeah. So like, yeah cool. Uh, maybe you'll break. Maybe you won't. Um, maybe in that kind of approach, perhaps you, you're creating more imbalances and that kind of stuff as well. Um, if you're looking for aesthetics in saying that both the Hey How boys look pretty good. So you can't argue with their method too much. Yeah. Um, then you've got the other end of just kind of like almost like doing a, um, a bicep flex movement with a pink dumbbell just to feel the bicep. It's like you can merge those two together use correct form with control tempo, mm. um, have a think about how you're loading the muscle over its range, over a program, and still progressively overload with weight. Yeah, the 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 pink dumbbell thing kind of still frustrates me because like, there still needs to be, um, like is it called the length tension relationship where like the amount of weight still influences the amount of force of course, that's being yeah. applied on the muscle. So. Yeah. To just go and say that, like some pink dumbbells, and if I have you know tension through this whole range of motion, that that's going to benefit, you know, me at yeah. some point. It's just because the muscle switched on the whole time does not mean that it's going to be a, like a beneficial to someone who's strong. Yeah, it's like the weight, the amount of mass that's being applied on the body, yeah. um, is still influential. Uh, like, still is a major component of that. Yeah. So it has to be mass then tension. Mm-hmm and distance from wherever you're loading. Yeah. Um, so that kind of, I guess like it dispels that argument for me. I feel like, yeah, they, they both, they both probably sit just as uncomfortably with me. It's like, it's, there's no point adding- As in both, yeah, of course There's no point is. adding more weight if, if you form shit, shit yeah. and there's no point reducing weight to the point where there's not enough mechanical tension to create any yeah. change. Yeah, that's exactly so right. You need to be able to be take an intelligent approach but still work hard yeah i think where the line gets blurred is that you can't really learn how to execute a movement properly if you lift too heavy yeah so you have to go lighter yeah but then it's like learning yeah yeah but then people don't like the fact that you know they're using lighter weights and irrespective of the fact that you're just really priming execution Yeah. Um, and then you go up in weight. They yeah. like, you know, we kind of get bred more is better. And it's good for the ego to yeah. lift more weight. So maybe that's kind of the biggest problem. And then people in the, in the like, lift as heavy as fuck camp um, just like to kind of yeah. make fun of those little people with the pink dumbbells. It's like graduate from those weights real quick. Yeah. Like the idea is not to stay there. It's, it's to not learn to, the movement. 
yeah it's yeah. like it's just understanding that learning the movement and placing load where you're supposed to be working is really important mm-hmm. and then it's find a weight that's going to challenge you through the rep range yeah you know just because you're loading something and switched on the whole time but you're using 50% of your max capacity for that movement doesn't mean you're going to get any benefit out of it yeah you probably just keep yourself at maintenance if not detrain yourself a yeah, bit. yeah depending on how you were at the start definitely yeah. so one thing I'm curious about um, we had some uh, funny ears here again guys um, some some feedback air quotes on uh, one of Jordan's little clips that Tam made for us talking about um, the functionality of squat um, yeah. and how it was it's a one minute clip and sh- fuck you could write how many words are in there dude you could write an A like A4 size 8 aerial font like yeah. explanation of what he actually says in that and this guy obviously just heard squat's not functional duh, yeah. and that was yeah. it um, so responded we gave him an answer and we haven't heard from him since so um, maybe that got through to him or maybe he just like yeah. didn't want to go into that detail but the what I basically took from it was, um, and, and we addressed it over the weekend, that his definition of functionality is that um, the joint is moving within a si- how the system would move as a whole. Yeah. So during a squat, um, and, and you, when I think about a squat now with that in mind, it's like how often do you walk up to the couch, turn around, stand even feet width apart, line everything up, knees bend, hips bend, external yeah. rotation sit into your seat compared to one foot's out here one yeah. foot's one leg, in one front leg's off the ground and you kind yeah. of just sit yeah. which when Jordan talks about functionality of the hip it's gait cycle so it's yeah. like walking um, posterior and anterior tilted at the pelvis yep. um, at the same time over a, over a period of time so things like a split squat or a lunge or a step up or something yep. like that is a more functional movement than a squat and if you think about those movements, if you were to do them body weight, you would naturally move through, um, you're like your oblique sling would move and your arms would move as well. Yeah. Which for mine, it's like, well... I failed at that on Friday. Yeah, even less you, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it makes sense now that that's like, okay, well, that's yeah. how that muscle, that joint is designed to move. My um, system's designed to move. Yeah, so... Yeah, within a system, that's yeah. right. Um, so there, there is a function of the hip that allows us to go through extension, um, yeah. or flexion and extension through a squat, yeah. but it's not the reason that it's there. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, I agree. Um, and you sit kind of in the same idea with all yeah. of that? Yeah, it just, it, the struggle in that debate and there will be like just everyone's definition of what function yeah, well, means functional means. The, right. Like, even the weekend we spent with those, like, Jordan and BPAC, it was, Jordan was always like, we need to take that word back. Yeah. And it's no different to, like, we'll probably go into another episode on, a, on another day, but it's like just using those words that people throw around to cash in on, like, you know, the, the intelligent people of the world who actually know what they're talking about in those fields in relation to those buzzwords, they need to take those words back. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, like you know, using the word detox, which we'll talk about in another episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's just like, yeah, those words are misinterpreted by a lot of people, and yeah. that's where this fucking these blurred lines. Yeah, functional are. functional training and functional fitness and all that kind of yeah. stuff. It's like, okay, what does that even fucking mean? Yeah. So you yeah. could have five people at a table, and everyone's it's like sitting at a table with five different languages. Yeah, trying we to decipher what makes sense. Yeah, we used to determine function as like or a functional movement was something that um, brought you closer to your end goal. That's what we used to kind of yeah, go by. A purpose, so yeah. if your goal was to build bigger arms, the bicep curl was a functional movement in yeah. that pursuit. Yeah. So like you said, it comes down to how you're going to mm. define function. Yeah. But it, for mine, at least, it was like, okay, well, I need to actually have some consideration to train the body the way it's supposed to move, mm. not just squat bench deadlift. Yeah, because realistically, squatting's not how we're supposed to move. Um, bench pressing's bench pressing's dysfunctional. Definitely not. It's like the shoulders shoulder. not designed to be um, retracted and depressed all the time under load. Yep. Um, Jordan uses the example of like the boxer or the pitcher. Yeah. So um, moving through a functional range, um, and then even the deadlift, like 
do you tend to pick stuff up from outside your legs? Yeah. Maybe not. You're not really going through a gait cycle. I don't know. Maybe it's probably the most functional out of the three. Yeah. Because um, you pick up boxes and stuff. It's just typically between your legs, but it's more in a squat pattern. It's still, if you go drawing it back to the the same gait cycle thing, there is yeah. Not one. There's not much there. So, um, yeah, essentially in that under that description, that those exercises aren't functional. So we need to find ways to, to add them in. Add them in different places in yeah. our programs. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's really interesting to kind of do that. And so as Jace just kind of alluded to there, um, we were going through some some drills in terms of like pre-workout stuff to, um, I guess, stabilize and make sure you've got ac- uh, enough stability, um, range, range of motion, motion. Um, to actually go into your workouts. And we got Jace to do um, a reverse <laughs> lunge into a high knee um, and Jace's left leg went forward and his left leg left arm went up <laughs> so imagine the tin man doing a 100 meter sprint with hands yeah, yeah, yeah. hands in line with the legs <laughs> running down um yeah. so i had to think really hard the second time <laughs> <laughs> so what, what am i doing here? yeah so for the coaches out there that's a really good cue to see that that person's body isn't working functionally the way it should be yeah um like that's not how we move yeah, um, we use the example, and I've seen this actually from Gavin Howe, who we've had on the podcast before as, too, as well. Um, is just close your eyes and march. Yeah. Um, and if same knee, same arm goes forwards, yeah, like you need to, to learn to integrate shit again. Yeah. Um, that's a really easy one to put in your to your pre-screening as well. Definitely, yeah. It's just like if you see something that's weird. Yeah. Um, do this for me, and it it, it gets buying for the client too. Yeah. Because it's quite. It's not instant. that it's not that dramatic, but it feels dramatic. Like in yeah. that moment, you would have been like, "Jesus, I, I'm broken. Why? Yeah. Why?" Yeah. <laughs> um, and a client would feel the same. It's I, like it, it wasn't that big of a surprise for me. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, just like for a client, it's like, well, you your body doesn't even know how to walk. Yeah. Um, and you're like a 30 year old male. It's like, Oh yeah, I've been doing that for a while. Yeah, I think I just accepted it because I've trained my body. Like remember when um, I was getting a treatment and the practitioner was like, every time I push here, your whole body like tenses up. Yeah. And I was like, and he's like, Oh, this is just ridiculous. He's like, I push here and this whole thing, this whole complex like tenses up. It's not supposed to do that. Your other glute is supposed to move and glide and everything just, and I'm like, yeah, but I've like, I've trained it to do that. Yeah, I've taught I'm, it. I'm not saying it's a good thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm not, but I'm like, that's just the way things have been, yeah. you know, interpreted over five, it's, 10 years. It's the set principle, right? So it's that specific, specific adaptation yeah. to impose demand. demand. So no matter what you've been doing, we used to talk about all the time. It's like, so we're so meticulous with our form all the time in the gym. Cause it's like, if I do one bad rep, I'll get hurt. Yeah. And then you see guys come in and just fucking throw weight around for an hour. Yeah. Like just you know like your local flex flex lumbar just yeah. all day every day. <clears throat> your local version of Branch Warren just going yeah. to town and you're like, if I train like that, I wouldn't yeah. walk for a week. Yeah. Um yeah. but they've trained like that forever and slowly progressed overload progressively overloaded their weights. And again, that specific adaptation to that was yeah. the imposed demand that the body had and it learns to deal with it because the body's yeah. fucking awesome. Yeah, and an interesting thing that I have come full circle on with that, and we went over it on the weekend as well, is like just that interpretation of what bad posture is as well. Yeah. And it's like, so yeah, well, yeah, that's it. It's like static time spent in a posture could potentially be bad. Um, An old mate who's coming in doing, um, oh, look, I'm not going to probably advise, you know, highly flexed, hyper-flexed lumbar, um, deadlifts yeah. but having some form of like you know curvature of the spine or training the um, you know upper rounded back or um, just training slightly out of position or putting yourself in a situation where you're increasing range of motion like you know uh, a deficit from the floor it's yeah. like you know you're going to be a little bit more flex to the hip torso is going to be a little bit more parallel with the ground that's you know, quote unquote, not a good posture. Yeah. Uh, but training in that uh, actually allows you to bulletproof yourself to in case that rep goes bad. And yeah, I said it. I've said it plenty of times. I'm like, you know, if I even just look at a rep, you know, we were so meticulous with our form, but as soon as I do a bad rep, 
yeah. a fucking Don't break. Yeah. You know, I hurt myself and I'm like, I used to think for fucking years, I was like, why can he train yeah. so yeah. badly? And it's just that, just being so rigid with what was interpreted as good posture. Now it's like, you know, I'm elevating my scapula, I'm rounding my upper back yeah. in specific situations with specific exercises. Yeah, and that's, that's what it comes down to. And that's probably the thing I took most from the weekend is like, even for a physique athlete who's going to train in isolation a lot, you want to, and, but even more specifically for a strength athlete who's going to fail under heavy weights um, at times or make mistakes with form and stuff, you need to increase your window yeah. of where potential injury occurs. Yeah. So um, having worked with Jordan last year, something that introduced into my program that I now give my clients is like a kettlebell... Um, deficit deadlift yeah. so you're going to stand on a 25 kilo plate heavy kettlebells at outside your Outside, feet yeah. it's awkward you've got to push yeah, them out you're going to have to yeah. go into um, yeah. some kind of kyphosis to get into position to yeah. hold them um, still and then uh, I will also sometimes program them as RDLs instead of normal deadlifts yeah. to take put even more challenge on that upper body um, and I had most of the clients that have done them are just like these feel fucking terrible. They feel like I'm doing them wrong. Yeah. I'm like, you are technically yeah. like you're not yeah, in well, that great strong position that you're yeah. normally in, yeah. but we're challenging your body to be able to deal with um, unstable forces in unstable yeah. positions um, in a controlled environment with a limited load because you can only hold so much weight in a kettlebell. Yeah. Wouldn't do that with a barbell. No. Um, but yeah, challenging to... The idea is, okay, so you've gotten into that position before when you've deadlifted, right? Oh yeah, when it was too heavy. Yeah. Right, so when that happens, I wanna make sure you don't get hurt. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, oh, okay. So we mm. need to go outside these ranges of perfect sometimes um, and try and bulletproof you a little bit. Yeah. And it's the same for a physique. Um, someone with the pursuit of a good physique. You yeah, that window just needs to be a bit bigger. And it's, no one, no one's teaching that. Everyone's teaching you know, how meticulous the form has to be and there has to be tension and yeah. all that kind of thing. But when, you know, they, we even went over on the weekend again, it was like those, um, those hubs of stability. It's yeah. like everything comes from you know, the central peripheral hubs of the body being you know, hips and shoulders and spine. Yeah. Um, if you don't increase the window though, like, you know, there's not, if there's not as much stability, even from a hypertrophy perspective, you're taking tension away from where you're trying to isolate. Yeah. And that for me was just like, like yeah. okay, like these, there's these like gatekeeper exercises, as Jordan would say, that like you know you would want to keep in someone's program, and it's just a dose thing. It's like you know increasing someone's cardiovascular or aerobic fitness. It's like it might take a little bit more frequency to get there, yeah. But once you're like, there, the yeah. dose relationship is like it goes back down, yeah. You know, in terms of frequency, like you have the adaptation. So you don't need to do as much to keep it. Yeah. Um, and especially with the other training as well. So I just think there's like something there, like something within that that was, you know, I guess really applicable, even just for my own training. Cause I'm just yeah. sick of um, these little fucking things just All the time. always having niggles and shit. And it's probably mostly because of that. Cause yeah. the last two weeks I've trained really well um, yeah. and felt really good. So um, benefit there just from my own training. One that I, I found, <coughs> excuse me, maybe to make, a really clear example of tying all this together for the clients, for the people listening, like we did a um, single arm bent over row. And so Ben showed his version, yeah. which was same leg forward as the arm, which is gonna shorten the distance between origin insertion of the lap, which is gonna get a tighter contraction, which is what you want. Yeah, and it creates, it, it does not allow the rotation of the torso as well. Yep. The, lat, the lat is like an anti-rotator. Yeah. It still rotates the torso a little bit. Or yeah. You can. Yeah. So having that front leg in that position basically doesn't Locks allow that down. to happen. Yeah. yeah. Um, so having seen that, I was like, okay, so that's going to isolate your lat and kind of almost turn everything else off. Like once you're stable, that's it. Mm. Um, versus going into a strength setting, I was like, kind of said to Jordan, well, what are you what's going to be functional in that setting? What's a functional single arm row look like instead of an isolation yeah. single arm row? And it was like, not only was it the same leg as the arm you were using 
um, out, it was actually pushed away from the body mm. and then externally rotated. Yeah, kind of facing. Yes, yeah, so you kind of had it on a 40, so you, your um, leg was at a 45 degree angle from yeah, so the body. The, the leg and the lead leg to the arm is, was actually back. Yeah. So, so we've opposite, we've switched legs. Yeah. And it was like opened up. Yeah. And yeah. So yeah, yeah, it turned out at a 45 degree to create extra challenge in rotation mm. um, to involve the core more yeah. um, as a, as a stabilization. As an anti-rotator. Yeah. yeah. Um, which the, for me, that was when everything kind of sunk in. It was like, yeah. okay, I need to do that sometimes. Yeah. And, and I need to do this sometimes. Exactly. And yeah. when I have my... 85 kilo bodybuilder coming and do a reverse lunge and he does tin man arms he needs to do more functional rows yeah um when he's got that pattern back i want to do the least amount of them possible to keep him functional yeah but then isolate the lat as yeah. much as i can to make him massive yeah and we even went over some really cool ways to even integrate them both into a set yeah just like you know isolating that muscle and yeah. that's like one stat um, peripheral fatigue kicks in it's like alright well let's let's incorporate more wider stance more yeah. functional but it's like more stability you know and a greater demand from the body yeah. you can squeeze some extra reps out yeah so we did it as, I guess would you call it a mechanical drop set or, oh, or just a nothing set changed of... nothing changed but our body position yeah so technically yeah. but it's just not like the mechanical drop sets are like really small yeah. adjustments, but probably still, technically there still is one. Yeah. But anyway. Load didn't change. We yeah. just changed the shape of our body. Yeah. I was doing eight and then eight and managed to keep, use the same load for both yeah. sets um, and found it really effective. Yeah. So. They were they were awesome. I'd definitely be putting them in some of the programs for the guys yeah. and girls. Yeah. So tying that all in, I feel like a lot of um, this stuff a great time to put it in your workout is during like your, your preparation for the workout, so your warm up. Yep. Um, so starting to think about, okay, what am I not doing in my training regularly that I could benefit from yep. maybe during my warm ups? Um, so I just wanted to go into maybe like <coughs> what your routine is yep. um, before you get under a bar or a barbell or whatever do you want to know what it was and what it is now? yeah let's do that <laughs> let's do that alright uh, so what it was and as you guys have known over the podcast especially coming back it was, it was nothing um, so I used to I think like my biggest flaw with training was like just fitting it in anywhere yeah. so it's like oh fuck I've got an hour and a half yeah. and my workout takes an hour and 29 minutes yeah um, so it was like get straight into it so but that obviously led to a lot of problems um, most notably this hip problem that I've had for a while which is uh, getting exponentially better but what have I been doing lately that's made it get better um, is of you know kind of having a sequence of movements to do before my session yeah um, so now it's uh, obviously dependent on what we're doing um, session wise but the big one um, we reinforce on the way home, uh, so on Friday when we did our level up uh, with our trainers is the breathing stuff so um, just like hard to explain how important it is just because it's still quite new to me yeah um, so I was saying that to you the other day it's like hard for me to get enough buy-in just now because it's still new to me and i'm trying to like hey do this breathing thing it's really good yeah um and actually it's, um, it's kind of as far as it goes right now um, yeah. and i'm like okay well i need to get better at that yeah so i um had a chat with will crozier two weeks ago now um he was just messing me asking me how i was going i said oh this hip's still fucking annoying me um he's like jump on a call let me have a look at you and we'll have a look at some stuff um, and we learned the 90-90 breathing at his workshop. Yeah. And I think both of us were like, yeah, it's cool, but okay. Like, it kind of yeah. like activates your core. You can feel your obliques a little bit. Yeah. That kind of stuff. We actually had a look at, um, <coughs> excuse me, the thoracic angle by just by measuring the angle like within my ribs and up into yeah. my sternum um, in a lying position. He was like, okay, so obviously you're in a flared position most of the time that could be um, a connection down into the hip that could be causing the issues. Try, try these drills and see how you go. So there was the basic 90-90 and then a couple um, of advancements from that. So it's easy enough for you guys, if you want to see what this looks like, just Google 90-90 um, breathing drill. Yeah. It'll probably come up. I feel like it probably yeah. originated from Cressy. Um, yeah. 
maybe. Um, <coughs> I assume that's where Will got it from. It could be somewhere else. Um, but yeah, just in the last 10 days, I've put that in and my hip used to ache every night. Yeah, now right. it's like, if I've done a hard leg workout, maybe it's a bit, I wake up with it a bit sore. Yeah. But I never wake up in the middle of the night like, oh, fuck, I have to yeah. roll over and move away from it. Um, just from doing some breathing, it's like, that's... Yeah. We probably should have valued that a little bit more a little bit earlier. Yeah. But I understand yeah. what you're saying with the buy-in stuff. Like I saw one of my clients who has a similar issue in her hip that I give gave her my previous stuff with um, the seated 90-90 leg stretches and um, counterbalance squats and those type of things. And it's saying, we just hadn't quite seen the progress that we expected yeah. from it. Uh, but I was like, I'm going to try this. And yeah. if it works, I'll teach you. Yeah. Um, and then as soon as I'd seen the program, I'm like, okay, you all need to know how to do this because it's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, I, the, the buy-in I got even from Friday was the just the amount of external rotation that I got just from spending what, three minutes on the ground. Yeah. And then went from like, what, 100 to probably 130 degrees in external rotation. So almost was like able to load overhead just by lying on the floor breathing. Like yeah. We didn't really yeah. like touch. There's no manual work done. So no. um, yeah, that was, so that's something I do now. Ever since that, I, every workout I've done, I've kind of spent three, four minutes on the floor. I tend to find those single leg ones with the arms out, like just yeah. money. Um, yeah. You know, I can execute those really well. Um, then it goes into what joints are being used in the session. Um, so yeah. hips. And it's like, yeah, spend a bit of time on the floor, um, you know, kind of stretching, um, you know, maybe doing some uh, foam roller work and stuff just to get a little bit of or access and range I might not have. Yeah. Um, and then after that, it's, yeah, like loading them up. So we do, I do the, the crawling complex or the Spider-Man crawling complex. It's, you know, stepping out side to side in a push-up position, um, driving the knee over the toe. Um, gradually, then we'll open up and do like a windmill. Um, yeah. and, you know, rotate the thoracic, thoracic rotation yeah. as well. So I find that that one kind of does everything. It, um, you know, you get knee over the toe, so that's like ankle. Then you're getting, you know, knee abducted outwards, so it's hip. Um, and then eventually, once you rotate, you're getting thoracic as well. Um, so if you throw that in, it's a real kind of gatekeeper movement. It just gets, it just gets movement going. I wouldn't say it loads much. Yeah. Um, so it's a good activator. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, after that, it's like you know, squat deadlift sessions like. The single leg RDL, um, if I can, I'll do the windmill in whatever capacity. Um, yeah. I'm not very good at them at the moment, so I've got to keep trying. Um, and then, yeah, shoulder, shoulders is same thing, breathing, um, the under kettlebell, underhead press, maybe some uh, pullovers, yeah. rope pullovers, or some face pulls. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, into the session. Yeah, so cool. it, does, it does differ week to week, workout. depending. I tend to find like now I've got like so many movements exercises that are for a specific thing so again like jordan was saying like you know he's trying to create a resource and an algorithm where like you can kind of almost every day go oh i feel like this if this then that if this then that yeah you know and i've i'm kind of like trying to i guess intuitively intuitively have my own one so it's like yeah, there's gatekeeper ones, but then it's like, oh, if this, then that, yeah. you know? So I might have to do a little bit more pec work for a day because yeah. it's tighter or whatever because yeah. how you wake up is obviously influential of what you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, and then obviously just getting those same routines into my client's preparation. A lot of them have the same stuff, then a lot of them have slightly different as well. Yeah. Uh, but the breathing one's 100% like, just with the gen pop people we work with, like, even just spending three to four minutes on the ground, just chilling out, focusing, mm-hmm. you know, just getting yourself in the right mindset, um, you know, blocking out the external noise, like just fucking paying attention, man, like yeah, to yourself and like what you're supposed to do, just like, yeah, getting in the zone, it's just so powerful. When we're explaining it to the trainers, just like, you've got people coming in that like exercise may be not, or training may not be number one on their total pole of importance. So they've got other shit on their mind whether it's what's happened before the gym or what needs to happen after the gym, somewhere else, just like as amazing as though that 90-90 breathing drill is, yeah, it's from a functional standpoint and a movement standpoint, it's just as amazing from a psychological standpoint 
to get 100%. your breathing under control, get back in touch with your breath for, for a start yeah. and know how you're going to breathe through your session. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like you said, just to be like, you can't, if you're doing that exercise properly, you can't be thinking about anything else because if you do it well, you should feel like you're drowning, um, yeah. pushing out that much air from your lungs. So it, that's all you can think about. There's nothing else. And that just kind of, it's yeah. almost meditative that it's like, okay, that was my yeah. little pre-workout. I'm ready to go. Yeah. Yeah, to me, that's like a, a version of meditation because it's like you're focusing and paying attention to one thing. Yep. And that's, from my understanding, when I hear people preaching some form of meditative practice, yep. it is focusing Focus. on a thing. Yep. Not, it's blocking out the noise and blocking out. And you know, yep. we have so much noise in day-to-day life. Like, even if I look in this room right now, there's just fucking stimulation everywhere yeah it's like we get exposed to this environment and probably 10 times that when you're you know in the car driving you're thinking about your day work your family what's for dinner yeah the workout how many lunges jason's gonna make me do in a session (laughs) um so yeah like i just think it's powerful enough to get into a state where we're peeling back that tension that gets generated from just so much stress irrespective of whether we're aware of it or not yeah and it's like i just think that the most that was the most evident for me is like why else could i have gotten that much yeah external rotation it's like my body didn't change shape Mm. but i was in the same position yeah and i was like all we did was like focus on your breathing block out the noise Yep. expand your rib, uh, breathe into your diaphragm stop expanding your rib cage yep. and then I got better and better at the breath and it was like I'd relaxed mm-hmm. bang there more range of motion yep. it's like I'm not tight anymore I'm not bound into this flexion that we do when we get fucking stressed you know yep. and I don't know like I, I'm just so much more aware of it like I get my neck gets tight and I can't breathe as well and you know it's just yep. like fuck man you're stressed out yeah like so now it's like okay lie on the floor put your feet up on the bed 90-90 or on the couch and just yeah. you know, focus on your breath for a bit breathe into your belly squeeze like yeah. breathe out tense your diet tense your stomach muscles yeah. do it again training days I'm doing it pre-workout excuse me pre-workout and before bed um, non-training days first thing in the morning and before bed um, it's making a huge difference um, in terms of like my own warm-ups pretty much the same as you so I have um, the normal 90-90 then a, a sideline variation um, that's more targeted obliques and glutes as well. Um, then back onto my back for, like you said, they're kind of in a Superman position, yep. pushing the hands forwards um, and one knee up to the chest. Um, again, just creates, I find that, like you said, it just allows you to get deeper into that breath and get Yeah, um, it's a good way of practicing it. Yeah. You can't, you're so like flexed. Yeah, you're already in that position anyway. Um, then from there, I'll go into a half kneeling thoracic rotation so like hands on the ears yeah. rotating maybe I think it's six times per side yeah um, then yeah you call them the Spider-Man yeah. drill so it's like push up position one leg up next to the wrist mm-hmm. rotate out um, I'm at the moment I've only got enough range to kind of like fist on the ears and rotate out I can't actually do a, a yep. straight arm to rotate through my thoracic um, which it's interesting when I do it the tightness comes from my hips not from my thoracic um, so that obviously there's a yeah. a chain link between those two. There, yeah. uh, lower body, I'll then go into um, the single leg RDL with the windmill. I've been practicing them for a while, so I typically can get yeah. three to six of those in a row per side. Um, from that, I'll also go into a counterbalance plate squat. Yeah, so that um, I also use that with a lot of my clients as well. Yeah, yeah. So usually it's a, it's a ten one. kilo plate for me arms straight out in front, dropping down into the hole. Yeah. Then I'll even um, shift to it one side. Yeah. Really push mo- um, knees over toes, push mobility yeah. into the hips, I guess. Yeah. Driving yeah. knees over toes, testing hip flexion, mm. uh, as uh, testing uh, ankle flexion as well. Yeah. Just getting everything kind of in the position. I tend to find that's a good, so that's a good calibrator. Yeah. For especially the, the squat the you've done up yeah so it's like really good to calibrate where you're at right now and what it would feel like once you put the bar yeah like on your back or if it's in your front or whatever yeah if you feel a bit like stiff in the ankles it's like okay well 
let's put a bit more attention there or something or yeah. it's stiff in the hip it's like okay we're not quite there yet yeah and that's and that's exactly right it's like that's gonna tell you if there's anything else you need to do before you add another bar yeah, um, yeah. so that's, that's the best calibrator where I go with that um, the first four exercises so the breathing then the rotation and the superman are the same for upper body yeah um, I'll then go into a bottom under press yeah um, and I've just this last week added in the kettlebell windmill as, yeah. as well for the shoulder stability stuff usually I'll find some days I'm good and I can go straight into a bottom under press no dramas yeah other days I'll need to do like a dowel pass over um, so from in front yeah. of my body down to the back of my body and then some around the world as well um, I can do it with a dowel you kind of saw over the weekend often you'll need to use a, a band, band for that yeah. if you don't have the range available um, and then once I go back into the kettlebells from that I feel good yeah um and then yeah, I'm usually pretty sweet to jump under the bar from that. So, yeah, um, that's my kind of process at the moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is there anything that you use with your clients that we didn't mention there that you use quite a bit? I still like the. I'm actually. I've always used the crucifix roller. Yeah. Um, to open the thoracic, I think I'm going to actually replace that with this 9090. Yeah. Um. Because it. It was the same kind of purpose. It was like, yes, it was good to open up the thoracic, but it was more a focused thing, concentrating on what you're doing. I think yeah. you're more forced to concentrate in the 90-90 yeah. and you're getting the added benefits of activation. Yeah, I think the only thing I still I have in this different is probably just some isolated core activation work. Yeah. So yeah. I'll give I'll give either wide stance plank, narrow stance plank, yeah. um, maybe one set, and that's only one set, yeah. of like maybe 20, 30 seconds. It's not as long as possible. Um, or a set of dead bugs or something like that. Yeah. So it's more just probably not in a situation where, where we have the skill to just turn on mm-hmm. the core whenever we need to. So yeah. we have to integrate that before we start. So I'll, I'll yeah. definitely have that in there for pretty much everyone. They yeah, do yeah. their floor work and relative joints. And then it's like... in you know, initiate from the central hub as well. Yep. So you've got like these uh, peripheral hub stability exercises and then this central hub yeah. um, connection. I feel like, like the, well, um, the counterbalance squat really does that if you pallet it at the bottom. Yeah. You know, you do like, you kind of push it out and pull it back in. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, either way, some direct work. Yeah. Um, uh, probably one thing there. The dead bug and bird dog are great for that. What yep. we were talking about earlier with the, the tin man thing with your hands and legs yeah. at the same yeah. time. That's a great way to learn to just reintegrate 100%. the functional system that is yeah. the human body rather than um, like a plank and stuff's good. But You'd be very surprised um, that tie-in. at how challenging that is for someone. Yeah. Like, don't Even for you guys at home, like don't take for granted that you guys will be able to march on the spot or even like lie on the ground and opposite arm, opposite leg. Like yeah. there's a lot of my clients that are yeah. Like they, you know, in unison, same arm, same leg. Yeah. So I remember we um, used to do. Yeah, don't take it for granted at all. It's quite tough. I can't even remember what we were measuring, but it was part of a, a test in a course that I did. You had to kneel on all fours, so arms straight on your knees. You had to pick, so you picked up, say your right arm, but you just lifted it like one centimeter off the ground. Yeah. And then the opposite knee, one centimeter yeah, off the ground. Yeah. So your right arm, left knee. Yeah. Man the conscious thought that had to go yeah. on to do that is just it's outrageous so it's funny you said that because that's how I get my guys to calibrate their bird dog mm-hmm. is I get them to do that initial yep. just pick an arm that you're going to go with yep. and then pick the leg you're going to go with yep. stabilize through the opposites and lift both just a centimetre yep. go back down then go yep. so it's just like it is the perfect calibration for someone to then, you know, get it. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. If they start thinking about what's for dinner or, yeah, you know, maybe that you know someone who's working out in front of them or something, then yeah, it just yeah. goes back to old yeah, habits. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, it's just a really cool way. Of, Over time, it's yeah. gonna obviously make a difference. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Anything else? Um, what about like maybe good other pre-workout stuff in terms of food, caffeine. Um, music yeah. you've been playing with as well yeah so with the with the pre-workout like let's go with supplementation so like I've dabbled in 
fucking everything. Like you name it. Like, like we talk about the other day the coffee like, and Pepsi Max. Well, <laughs> even to like, you know, where I had a mate who worked in a supplement store. I think I've told you the story, but and uh, he said he gave me this little bag, and it, yeah, I know, fucking dodgy already. And it had a red tablet, a white tablet, and I don't know, one of them. It was like a white tablet, but it was squared, one yeah. was circled. And he's like, and it was in this little sealed bag. So he's like, take it. He's like, take this. And I'm like, oh, what is it? And he's like, oh, it'll, it'll give you energy. So me being, what, I was 21. <laughs> so I was 21. I was like, fuck it, sweet. All Before right. everything was illegal in pre-workout. And um, so I took it and like, I was going, I remember, I still remember it. Like, you know, the ramp down the car park? You yeah. Know, like, so I remember going down that ramp and the fuck, man, I was playing the music so loud. And I was just like, so G'd up. I went, walked into the gym and you know, my mouth was dry and, like I went up and talked to one of my mates and he's like, fuck man. He's like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> and I'm like, what do you mean? And he's like, fuck, you are just like absolutely like wired. Yeah. So anyway, I had like the best workout. Yeah. yeah I was just absolutely charging. And then, um, and then I like about three o'clock, I just hit this wall. Yeah. And I felt like absolute shit. So I rang my mate and I'm like, oh, you know, what did, what, what was that? What'd you give me? And he's like, oh, so it was like, um, ephedrine, caffeine and aspirin. Jesus. So he's like, so always ask what something is before you take it. Don't just go, oh, and my mate gave it to me and, and he works at a supplement store. So one of them was like, thin it, one thin the blood. Yeah, aspirin. Yeah. Then ephedrine is, adrenaline. yeah, basically like yeah. releases adrenaline and caffeine obviously, um, you know, just makes your heart pump, pump even faster and uh, mitigates fatigue. So you could imagine the workout that I had. However, Going, coming around, so there is a, a means to an end in this conversation is like, I feel like if you're reliant on those systems, they wear off, mm-hmm. you know, so always like you see people like, you know, I need caffeine, I need pre-workout, I need this, I need that. Um, if you have a need mentality when you train, um, there's going to be times when they may not be available and like, what do you do? Yeah. It's like the, you know, referencing back what, to the weekend again. Even just what does it tell you about your health if you do need it? Like, well, what, what does it tell you about your preparation for your session as well? Yeah. Like um, the jet lag thing. It's like, what do you do for jet lag? And ben was just like, fucking forget it ever exists and just yeah. get it done. Yeah. Um, and I was like, well, you kind of almost can create this perception that you're defeated before you even start because yeah. things aren't available to you. Um, so I'm not a big... I don't rely on caffeine or I don't rely on, like I drink caffeine, don't get me wrong, I drink coffee, I fucking love coffee. Um, I'm I'm ready for one right now. Maltese, <laughs> Italian wife, you eat, you eat yourself to a coma, then the coffee comes out so that you can stay awake Function. again to eat even more. Yeah. Um, so it's just a staple in our, um, like I guess, uh, as one of those family things that we do. However, I don't have to down one to train. Like I went to yeah. the gym last night, 8.30 at night, yeah. we had dinner, my brother and his kids were over, went to the gym, yeah. you know. So I don't, I'm don't. i not a big driver of like pre-workouts for that reliance on caffeine. However, um, cognitive enhancement, um, I, I have seen some benefit, but then that's when you can start playing around with like maybe even the foods you eat and stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, I like dark chocolate before training, um, you know, I tend to find I have a, a really good focus. I had some before I worked out this morning. Yep. Goes really good with caffeine. Apparently, both caffeine and dark chocolate can increase dopamine in the brain, which allows you to focus and you um, That's your session. And again, I, I could have skewed that. So um, if someone uh, knows that that's wrong, please let me know. Um, <laughs> But then, uh, yeah, going into like, um, you know, uh, is it Cognitone by Bulk Nutrients? They have a really good pre-workout. So it's like alpha GPC, um, tyrosine, um, it's got some caffeine in it. Um, it's got a couple of other, um, you know, it's got acetylcholine in it as well. So all of these things that uh, dosed to basically give you a, an increase in uh, brain performance, uh, cognitive performance. So it's increasing uh, dopamine production in the brain. It's increasing uh, acetylcholine as well, which are the main drivers of us paying attention, focusing, making decisions. Um, and I think that those things are going to be really powerful for when you're training. So since they're not stimulant based, would you be able to have them for a PM session and still sleep? I would go and say maybe, uh, because it, my understanding of 
driving neurotransmitter production is that you also need to think about neurotransmitter degradation as well. So it's another side of the coin that doesn't really get spoken about. And it's probably because, I don't know, maybe people don't understand there's pathways that even exist to do that. So think of it like a funnel. Um, so you're driving like production of these neurotransmitters and they've got to go down a funnel and that funnel is only so big. Um, and you can have like SNPs where someone's funnel, so single nuclei polymorphisms is the terminology we call SNPs, um, where that funnel gets even smaller and they, they've still got to metabolize, um, you know, like estrogen, for example, or something along those lines as well. Yeah. So if you get this bottleneck, um, then it would make sense that they take a little bit longer to kind yeah, of pass yeah. through and break down. And then if you don't have sufficient micronutrient support because your diet's shit um, and you don't have, you know, nutrient-dense foods, I'm talking from a micronutrient standpoint, then you could potentially see a bottleneck just from that because yeah. they, they need these micronutrients as resources to break these down as well. Yeah. So um, there's a little bit there. I kind of, we went way off then, but kind of had a, an introduction into biochemistry, which is about <laughs> as far as I really can take you guys um, but yeah so it's like driving these neurotransmitters and increasing this focus is a good thing yeah um, and using caffeine can do that you can get a, a, a release of dopamine from caffeine providing that you're quite sensitive to it um, and that doesn't mean that you can't have it every day but it's like you're not fucking stacking 800 milligrams of caffeine day. a day yeah um, so that's kind of how I feel with pre-workouts so other than that, I think like um, not rushing your session, planning it in like, fuck man, I've had some shit sessions in the last six to 12 months. And it's like, yeah. we've been pushing the needle with this work stuff. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I'm just like trying to draw the film like, oh, why is my body responding the same way? And yeah, all of that. It's not just... It's attention to detail. Yeah, it's not just food. It's not just like, the, it's, you know, rushing your session and not getting in the zone. And it's like, your reps are shit. You know, we're talking yeah. about quantifying that stimulus like fuck man you're not in the zone yeah like how do i know i'm hitting that target yeah, yeah every yeah. time with that rep so yeah do those reps and sets matter and yeah. um so yeah that's kind of that's kind of my approach to to pre-training outside of the the movement stuff i've just put in so yeah um like it's quite new to me but i'm seeing a really big benefit I just would like to, I think from a training perspective, like you could probably add a little bit more to this. It's like hard to balance, like where do we put it in the training session? Yeah. You know? Um, so I know you're doing some really cool stuff with trying to integrate that in a, on an online kind of thing where they watch it beforehand or? Uh, in terms of me coaching. Yeah, so yeah. it's like, I find that I show them, um, but I don't want to spend, and my guys don't want to spend a lot of time in this session doing it yeah i need to make sure they can do it though yeah. so it's just integrating yeah and it's, it's finding what the minimum effective dose is and getting them to buy into actually doing it yeah so it's finding the most effective exercises and that's again like i just said like i'll, I'll take that crucifix foam roller out and put in this breathing because it's like they're already invested in doing that yeah uh, but the results are going to be greater from this movement so yeah. you go and do that instead um i feel like at the moment it's to a point where I'm pretty confident with a lower body workout and upper body workout. Yeah. Uh, so warm ups for those those specifics, and then each client may have you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this. Yeah. Um, I had a client in last week who had some hip stuff. Took her through some like internal external rotation stretches, and yeah. she went through a workout pain free. She's been doing it every day, and her hips stopped complaining. So yeah. it's like in that scenario it's just like okay try this did it get better yes keep doing it if it keeps getting getting better over time awesome yeah. and then we need to we'll just like decrease the frequency yeah. um, and the amount that you're doing that but still keeping this core stuff and then from a programming standpoint tying back into everything we talked about earlier in the episode is just looking deeper into okay what are the um I'm even going to start looking at Adam as like, what is a, the systemic exercise that we're doing and how much of it are we doing? Yeah. So what exercise are we doing that's functional from a system standpoint yeah. um, based on the individual and how much functionality they need? Yeah, I was just about to go there. So like a strength athlete's going to need more than a bodybuilder. Yeah. Um, 
but a bodybuilder needs enough to not get hurt and yeah, a powerlifter leaves not enough to where do you sit in the yeah I can't remember Venn diagram was it yeah Venn yeah diagram? so how how much do you need as an individual based on your goals to not get hurt yeah 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 Cam- yeah that's pretty well said cameraman cuddles with the dog mate <laughs> you're done now um, yeah, um, I, I, f- yeah, I feel like that kind of covers it off, and that's that's how I'm going to approach um, things for myself now. So yeah, um, with my clients. So yeah, yeah. No, I think that we hit the nail on the head with that. So any questions on that stuff? Obviously, hit us up. Yeah, um, we have actually something that we probably should have maybe announced at the start, but yeah. whatever. We have <laughs> revitalized our online program. Um, yeah. <clears throat> now, if you want to know more information about training with us online, yeah. um, just send us. Uh, for now, a message or an email or slide into yeah. the DMs, whatever it is, and let us know. Um, and we'll be in contact with you and just give you the full ins and outs of that. Yep. <clears throat> Obviously, make sure you're following um, STC Fit, mm-hmm. STC Fit Learning on both Instagram and uh, Facebook. Facebook. We're on YouTube as well. Uh, we're actually posting these full episodes on Facebook, Facebook these days as well. So yep. um, get on there, give us a like, give us a comment. Yeah, Take some screenshots of our stupid faces. Yeah. Stop looking at enjoying that. Stop looking at our feet, you creeps. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we'll be back in the the plush studio yeah. again next, next week. Episode. Yeah. All right. Thanks, see you next guys. time.